Ella was crying and it was the middle of the night and I turned on the light and the right side of my face went numb. And, um, I had numbness down my arm and into my fingers. And immediately I was like, I'm having a stroke. Welcome to the happy home birth podcast, your source for positive, natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When you've had a hospital birth, but your epidural failed, why not bring it on home for baby number two? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to this week's episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking to Brianna, who did just that, decided to head home after the frustrating experience of a failed epidural. We'll hear how she was able to tap into her intuition and her primal instincts to make her home birth a wonderful success. Okay, let's jump in. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Brianna, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I am thrilled to have you. Would you mind starting by just taking a moment to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Yeah, I'm Brianna. I'm a nurse on the Southern Oregon coast. My husband is also in healthcare and we have two daughters. We have Ella and Evie and yeah, that's about it. All right. So Ella and Evie, how old are they? Um, Ella's almost five and Evie is almost 10 months old. All righty. Awesome. Okay. So I'd love to hear what was your experience like with Ella becoming pregnant? Um, how did that all come about? Yeah. I, I like to say that Ella was kind of unplanned, but my husband is adamant that she was planned. And after having planned Evie, I'm still adamant that Ella was not planned because um, we were just kind of winging it. We, my birth control, I had the depot shot and I knew it was like going to stop working. And then I had one period and I was pregnant the next oh. period. <laughs> and um, we'd been engaged for about five months. So when I found out it was the day after I had bought my wedding dress which was um, <laughs> kind of funny. I like called them back immediately and I was like, can I please get like two sizes bigger? Because I don't know <laughs> what my body's going to look like. But anyways, we were very excited. And um, at the time we were living in Portland, Oregon. And so we decided to kind of end our lease. And then we moved back to the coast where our families were. And in that interim, we took this huge cross country road trip and I was like eight weeks pregnant and I felt so good. I was like, I'm not having any morning sickness. I have no symptoms of being pregnant. And then we get on this trip and like in Utah, I start puking everywhere. Like every day we were pulling over for me to puke. And that kind of um, went into, I think I was 25 weeks when I stopped puking. Oh so was my a, word. Yeah, it was a, it was an experience for sure. Um, in my care, I got an OB that was on the coast, and she'd just been my uh, like my gynecologist for a long time. And I, I like to just say like I just didn't know any better. Like I was really ignorant on everything pregnancy and birth, and I thought that's just what you were supposed to do was get an OB, go to your like go to your doctor and get all these things. And so, and I was younger, and so. Um, I saw the OB and there was this like discrepancy in dating that I wanted to bring up because my periods had never been regular and I was coming off being on this birth control shot for a really long time. And so I just, I didn't know when I ovulated. And so based on my first period that I'd had before I got pregnant, my due date would have been January 15th. And I got this ultrasound, the seven or eight week ultrasound, um, and they put my due date at like February 9th, I think. So like a big gap between mm -hmm. like when I, when I had my period and when I had gotten pregnant and they're like, that's not really a big deal. Like you don't know when you ovulated. And so I went again 
four weeks later and they're like, no, your due date's actually February 1st. So like there was a lot of back and forth between like when I, when my period was, when I ovulated. And so I was like, whatever, it doesn't really matter to me. And it was interesting because they kept, I felt like they were like pushing it back. And in retrospect, I'm glad they did and didn't stick with the January 15th uh, due date. So anyways, they, they sorted out my due date and I just kind of trucked along. I stopped puking at 25 weeks. Um, but anyway, everything else was really uncomplicated. I, um, I mean, I got swollen at the end, but as I got to the end of my pregnancy, I was like, I'm going to be pregnant, you know, until 41, 42 weeks. So it's totally normal for first time moms to do. And we planned our baby shower really late. So about 36 weeks. So in my mind, I'm like, I've got all this time. I'm going to, my, I stopped working at 38 weeks and I have all this time to like nest and go through all this stuff. And that is just not what happened. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So I, 38 weeks was my last day of work and I got home and I was actually, I was supposed to work one more day in two days. So I had like these two days off and then I was going to go back to work for my last day. And I got home from work that day and I was like, I'm not going back. There's no way after these two days they're going to, I can go back to work. And I remember folding laundry on my bed and I just like took a deep breath and really relaxed. And the first contraction started oh, at that oh. time. And it was like, it was so weird because it was mentally, I was like, I'm just going to relax and not go back to work. And as soon as that happened, I had a contraction and I didn't have any Braxton Hicks, but it wasn't, I knew it was different. Like it was deep into my pelvis and I was like oh my gosh and like in retrospect I wonder why I didn't like clean my house at that time because I had gifts everywhere but I was like you know what I'm just gonna hang out and eat and that was on Friday at 3 p.m and then um I kind of just hung out at my house and Around 11, they had not stopped. They were every five minutes apart. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed. And if this continues, then I'm in labor. So I went to bed and I actually woke up the next morning pregnant. And I was like, okay, well, this could happen for a long time. And in my mind, I have like a lot of denial. I was Because mm-hmm. I was 38 and one at that time. And I thought to myself that there's no way that I am going into labor this early as a first time mom. And then I just kind of hung out around my house the next day. And at 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoon, again, I was caulking my bathroom. Obviously. (laughs) Yes, of course. And um, the next contraction started. And I, again, I I was like, okay, I'm going to just ride this out. And if I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'm still contracting, then I'm in labor. And around 9.30 or 10, the contractions have gotten to every four minutes. And I'm on my birth ball in the living room. And my husband, this is his first child as well. And he's just like, I think a little panicked. Because at this point, I've been contracting all like all afternoon into the night. <clears throat> so we went to triage. We called the hospital. And they're like, well, why don't you just come in? And so we went into triage. And I was there for a little while. And I was only three centimeters dilated. And there was... um a midwife on call at the hospital and she just kind of assumed my care over the weekend. <clears throat> and she's like, well, why don't you just go home and come back if things change? And at the time I was like, what does that even mean? I don't know. Uh, I was uncomfortable. I couldn't sleep. So I went home and I tried to sleep and I just tossed and turned all night. I got up and walked around my house. I did not sleep all night. And so by 5am, I woke up my husband and I said, we need to go back to the hospital because I'm in labor. I'm not sleeping. Like there's, we need something. And I just trying to kind of back up a little bit. I didn't have a doula. I didn't know what a doula was. I um, also didn't know what nurse midwives were. And so I didn't know this profession that was assuming my care when I came into the hospital. And so at 5 a.m. we went back and it was the same midwife and she, I was still three centimeters. And so she's like, we can give you morphine to go to sleep, (laughs) like put you on a morphine drip if you want to rest in the hospital, or I can give you an Ambien and you can go home and take a nap. 
Um, or you can do nothing. And at that point, I was like, I need to sleep. And I don't know how to do that. And so I took the Ambien. And then the nurse said, okay, you should sleep for about eight to 10 hours, at least. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I never, I mean, I don't take medications really very much. And so I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. So I went home and I slept for three and a half hours. Mm. And so um, I woke up in labor again. And this, this time I was like, okay, like there's, this is not being one being stopped by medications that I'm trying to sleep. And um, like, I just need some, I need something else. So my parents lived down the road from us at the time and um, they have a hot tub. And so I went to their house and got a hot tub and it was so weird because I just have this, like, when I'm pregnant, I just have this, like, really in- natural intuition that comes to the forefront. And I'm in the hot tub, and I'm like, I need to get out. Like, I need to get out of this hot tub. So I got out, and then I took a shower at my mom's house. And as I'm stepping out of the shower, my water breaks. And <laughs> that's kind of when um, things changed like an intensity wise, like they were uncomfortable and I couldn't talk through them, but I wasn't like, I wasn't suffering by any means. And so, um, I got out of the tub and my water, uh, out of the shower and my water broke and I was like, okay, we're going back to the hospital. And it is like the, the type of water breaking where I had to use a towel between my legs to walk into the hospital. I, there was no doubt that this is what was going on. And I came back and the same midwife was there and she's like, okay, well, let's get you into a room. And so this is Sunday at 4 PM. And so I'd been laboring, started laboring Friday and had been laboring all day Saturday into Sunday. It was now Sunday afternoon and my water had broken and the, I was so tired. I, my body had been working really, really hard at that point. And um, I just didn't, I didn't know how to cope. I thought you get to the hospital and just lay in bed and I'm laying in bed and it was like torture. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready for an epidural. I'm tired. I would like to take a nap now. And um, so they started all that stuff, like the fluids and um, I, the anesthesia came in the room and gave me the epidural and I laid back down and, you know, the, the contraction pain had lessened, but I could move my legs and I could feel everything still. And they're like, well, that's normal. You know, it could take a little while. And so anesthesia leaves. My nurse is in the room. She leaves. And at the same time of the epidural, they started Pitocin. Long story short, I had a failed epidural. It did not work. I started feeling them, but I couldn't get out of the bed. And I told them I had to pee. So they put a catheter in and I could feel it, the catheter going in. And um, I don't like red flag number one should have been that like I could feel that I had to pee, you know, that something maybe wasn't right with my epidural. Um, And eventually I was like gripping the sides of the bed screaming. And in retrospect, I was transitioning and I, I was close to being complete And the nurse is like, oh, you can feel that? And I'm like, yes, I can feel that. (laughs) Like, she's poking me with, like, these alcohol wipes to see. And I'm like, I can feel all of that. And so they call the anesthesia back in. And she tries to fix it, like, with medication. And it's not working. And so eventually she just replaces the epidural. And she said the the needle, the catheter had migrated three centimeters in my spine. (laughs) which will come up later. But, um, I, so she replaced it and then I was numb from like under boobs down, totally completely numb. She loaded me with medication and then I was complete. So in it, like timeline wise, like I got to the hospital around four and I was fully dilated by nine 30. Um, I started, they let me just labor down. And so I started pushing probably around 10 45, And I was like, honestly, I was like half-assed pushing. I really didn't know what I was doing and it wasn't very effective. But then I started really pushing and she was born at 1242. And my mom had always told me when I was born that I didn't cry. I just opened my eyes and looked around and they put Ella on me and she did not cry. 
she opened her eyes and looked at me and I, it was funny because she looks so much like me. I was like, that's my face on a baby. <laughs> I was so cute. Um, but yeah, she didn't cry. She just kind of hung out and she, I mean, she was breathing and pinked up fine. And uh, my husband also delivered her with the midwife next to him, which was really sweet. And yeah, so she was great. She latched fine. She latched and never unlatched. I like to say, <laughs> and so um, she lost a little bit of weight, but then we went home and yeah, the hospital in, in Coos Bay has a service where they send a nurse, like an I IBCLC to your house a day or two after you get home to weigh the baby and check jaundice levels, which was really nice. And when she came, her jaundice levels were really high, but this was day two and my milk had just come in. And so we went in to the hospital to get like a blood draw and her jaundice levels were actually fine. And so it wasn't that big, like that big of a deal. But at the time I was like, Oh my gosh, I have this like yellow baby. <laughs> and, um, it like, I had never had anxiety kind of one in my life. Like I've never really had problems with that or depression. And so I like postpartum anxiety and depression were just not on my radar going into postpartum. And so Suddenly, here I am anxious about the small human that I'm caring for, um, and I like don't know what I'm doing. And so I think that I was spent a lot of time googling after I had the baby, and I wish I just had better education and like I wish I had prepared myself for postpartum because I was so ready to have a baby and like all the cute clothes she was gonna wear, but I wasn't ready for like how I was gonna manage myself postpartum and so that kind of leads into like a week after I had the baby or was it two weeks I don't know but sometimes I meet in the in immediate postpartum Ella was crying and it was the middle of the night and I turned on the light and the right side of my face went numb and um I had numbness down my arm and into my fingers and immediately I was like I'm having a stroke like I think I'm dying and I wake up my husband and we go to the hospital. And at the time the ER was like, if you're an ER patient, you have to go sit in this waiting room, but no family is allowed in here with you. And so my husband and the baby are sitting in the other ER room and I'm in this other waiting room waiting to get a CT scan to see if I'm having a stroke. And um, Ella's just crying because she's hungry. And so I'm like, you have to come in here. I have to feed the baby. Like there's no, there's no leeway with this. Like I can't not feed the baby. And so they can't, they finally came in and sat with me, but it was, I mean, it was scary. I thought I was dying. And um, they did a CT and they did an MRI and I wasn't having a stroke and there were no blood clots in my brain, which was nice. And they're like, okay, then like this misplaced epidural is why you're having these symptoms. But they did blood work and that I get, I don't know what blood work they did, but they said, no, that's not why. So it's like this big enigma of like, why am I, why is the right side of my face numb? Like, why am I experiencing this? And um, no one could really give me an answer. They're like, go to your PCP and see. And so then I went to her. So I'm two weeks postpartum. I went to my PCP a week later who told me I could have multiple sclerosis. And I, I was just like, oh my gosh, like a degenerative disease. Here I am three weeks postpartum with this new baby and you're diagnosing me with this without doing any imaging. And it was horrible. Honestly, it was like the worst time of my life. I think I was not sure how I was going to function. Like what if I died and my husband had to care for this baby and how would he feed the baby because the baby won't take a bottle. And it was just, honestly, it was like spiraling and it really sent me into a postpartum anxiety. And I would say I was close to psychosis. Like I was, I was like, at one point thought my husband was going to steal the baby and leave. And it was honestly, it was horrible. Um, and then I went to my OB at six weeks postpartum who was like, oh, that's a migraine. Like you're having migraines because of the rapid estrogen drop in your body from like after having the baby. And I was like, well, that I guess makes sense. Cause after it happened again and I went back to the ER and I had a headache after the second time it had happened. And so I was like, okay, that tracks, I guess. And I lost my vision the third time it happened. Wow. Yeah. So I was like 
it was awful. Um, I mean, honestly, it was horrible. And I, but I would get these headaches the more it happened. And so my OB is like, okay, well, you're having migraines. Like, that's what that is. Your hormone levels will even out. And just so you know, never to take estrogen-based birth control <laughs> because you have these migraines that are severe. And I was like, okay, well, I, I was, I don't know. I just wish that that was more knowledgeable. Like I wish in retrospect, the healthcare providers that I had seen knew more about that and knew that, I mean, I was so early in postpartum and I feel like that didn't contribute to anyone's discussions of what was going on with me. And, um, I did not have MS after waiting four weeks to get another MRI, which, you know, I was like, okay, I feel better, but like, do I really feel better? <laughs> you know, I'm still thinking about like, what if I die? And, I, my baby is here without me and it was awful. I mean, truly it was horrible. And I suffered for probably a year before it got better. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't know about medication. And I told, I finally called my OB crying at four week at four months postpartum that like, I need help. I, there's something wrong with me. And the office told me because I'm not six weeks postpartum anymore that they can't help me. And they're like, call your PCP. And I did. And she had like a four month wait time. And so then I called like, yeah, it was crazy. I called the, the mental health department at the, like the local health and wellness. And they had a wait time of three months. And I was just like pulling my hair out. I was like, I need help. Nobody is helping me. I don't know. I've called all these resources. And so finally at my job that I had returned to at uh, three months, they had this like employee assistance counseling program. And I called them like as a last resort, I was suffering and they got me in the next day. And it was, wow. yeah, it was a big testament at the time to my employer who like focused so much on like my well being, And I felt like they were the only people that were like holding me through this time. And I hated going to work and I hated leaving my baby and I hated pumping and a but like in retrospect, I really appreciated the care that they had, you know, given me through those benefits. Anyways, so um yeah, and I knew I wanted another baby, but like I just had to recover from not only birth, but like the trauma my mind had been through the last 12 months. So that the postpartum really played into like when I was gonna be ready to have another. And my my daughter had slept through the night really fast, like nine months old. So that was nice. I was getting lots of sleep at that point. Um, so in the interim between pregnancies, I became a doula and I got into nursing school. And um, I want to be a midwife. And I didn't know the route that I wanted to do that, but I feel like the best route for me and my family would be certified nurse midwife. So I went to nursing school <laughs> and um, yeah, so I like moved into that. And in my nursing program, you have Thanksgiving to New Year's off. So like this big six week period. And I also started at the tail end of COVID. So we had like online classes and we did a lot from home. Like we really left our homes for clinicals and lab days. And so I was like, I'm going to have a baby <laughs> because I, one, I don't have to leave my house very much. And also like, I am never going to have this just time again. And I want my kids to be somewhat close in age. And my daughter was so ready to be a big sister. She, every baby we saw, she's like, mom, can you have a baby? <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. So getting into Evie's like birth, like getting pregnant I planned cycles. I knew when I was ovulating and it took six months, which felt like a really long time coming from like an unplanned accident to like planning a second. I was like, sure there was something wrong with me. Um, so I found out I was pregnant eight days after ovulation. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having twins. Cause why would I get a positive this early? <laughs> and I did not have twins, but, um, <laughs> And it didn't help. My daughter was like, there's two babies in there. I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> you know, like this intuition of children. But anyways, just one. And um, 
I knew I wanted to have a home birth because when my eye patrol didn't work and I was like, okay, I'm doing this naturally either way. I'm not going to go through that again, being strapped to the bed. And, um, I just wanted to not leave my house when I was in labor because I had just had this feeling it was going to go fast and kind of like really leaning into that primal intuition of my, of my body, what it was telling me. And, um, so that kind of like has a double edged sword though, because I live in the, the Southern Oregon coast and there are no home birth midwives within two hours from me. At the, also at the time I was on OHP, which is like the state medic Medicaid. And, um, I could go, there was a midwife that was an hour and a half for me and I could go to the hospital for free, or I could pay her $4,000, which I didn't have because I was in nursing school. And my husband also was in school for, um, imaging at the time. And so two students <laughs> with a child already, there was no way that I was going to be able to do that. And so, it was just like this battle of like, what do I want to do and what can I afford realistically? And um, so I settled with like a midwife, hot, midwife at the hospital who had helped deliver my first one. I liked her a lot. She was very, very soft and very approachable. And so we started care with her and um, I liked, you know, I liked it. Um and I consulted with this midwife group out of Eugene and Albany, which is about two and a half to th- like two and a half to three hours away from me. And they took OHP, but I'm like, they're so far away from me. One, will they even drive to me? Also, what if I have this baby at home alone? And not that I was opposed to doing that, but I don't know. Like if I'm bleeding, I'd like someone with Pitocin to be there. <laughs> um, so we had moved right next to a different hospital that my husband works at. So we were like one minute away from an emergency room if we needed to go. And so that made me feel better. Um, so we did it and we kind of, I kind of felt like I went out on a limb and hired these, this group. They also took OHP. So I didn't have to pay anything and it was wonderful. I think they're one of the few home birth midwives that take OHP because it is legal in Oregon to have a home birth covered by the state Medicaid which a lot of people don't know, but you have to have the right midwife who will bill that insurance for you. Um, so shout out to them <laughs> because I didn't have any other options. Um, so I went back to my hospital midwife and I was like, look, I'm going to have a home birth. And she said, I think that's probably the best route for you. So that was nice to have like a really supportive hospital backup. She was like, I'll be your backup. If you have to go to the hospital, like we have your records because you've been coming here. Like there's no big deal. And I felt, and I walked out and I just feel so safe. I felt safe with my midwife at home. I had this amazing backup hospital midwife that I could go to. And like I said, I'm a really good advocate for myself. So if I felt like in labor that we needed to go, we were going to go. I didn't, I honestly, at that point, probably wouldn't care what the midwife said, like we were going. And if I ever felt like something was wrong, like intuition wise, we would just go. I uh, like I had no qualms about transferring care to a hospital and I don't know if that's because I was in the healthcare system like as a nursing student um it also that probably played a part but also because I had this great midwife that I knew I could go see and so it was I just felt very blessed to be in that position of like this like sweet spot of because sometimes when you transfer into a hospital you just don't know who you're gonna get and I knew who I would get and so Anyways, that made me feel really good going into the birth. But so, as I mentioned, I had my first daughter at 38 and two. So here I am at 37 weeks. And I was like, I'm term. I could go anytime. Because in my mind, second babies come earlier than first babies. And I was very humbled with this pregnancy because that I at 37 weeks, I was like, okay, I could go into labor. So like, let me get my house ready. And that came and went and I was at 38 weeks and I was like, this is exactly when I went into labor with my first. And, um, that week was the hardest week of my pregnancy because I was like crying. I was like, I'm overdue. Like, why isn't the baby coming in? My midwife is like, well, really you're not overdue at all. And, um, the, you know, and I, I texted my midwife and I was like, I'm just going to pump. 
and start this. And my midwife is like, do not do that. <laughs> She's like, your baby will come when they're ready. When they tell you they're ready, they're going to come. And I was like, okay, fine. I will hold off for now. Because like I said, I'm like, I'm in charge of my care. Um, I was like, I won't do that for now, but we'll reevaluate in a couple days how I'm feeling. And um, there, oh, also to back up, there was something I wanted to add about the midwifery care that I was getting, the home birth midwives. There's a set of three midwives, and I was seeing one in Eugene that was closest to me. And right before I went into labor, she like abruptly left the practice and didn't tell me. And so she had been the main midwife I was seeing. And, um, I had been texting her throughout the week, like a, like a week before I think I went into labor, I would have been texting her about, you know, things that were going on and things that I was feeling. And she's like, okay, great. Like send that to the chart system that we have. And I was like, okay, that's weird, but fine. And then come to find out she had left the practice like the week before and just hadn't told me. And it was, it was like, shocking to my core that my main midwife had just dipped and not told me. I found out on social media because she had posted she was starting her own practice. And I had been so close to being due that I was like, oh, okay, great. That'll be after I have the baby. And no, it was not. <laughs> so I called the main, the one of the co-owners, like, what is going on? And she came to my home, like my home visit before I went into labor. And She's like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry that that happened, uh, but I will come to your birth. And I said, okay, well, I guess I really only need someone in the corner if I need medicine. You know, I don't need anybody there specifically. Like, I can do this by myself if I need to. So that was kind of a, a little hiccup right before I had the baby. But anyways, going back to, um, like, right before I went into labor, I was, like, emotional and... And then I thought to myself, like, what did I do to put myself into labor right before I had Ella was I just relaxed, to be honest. I was like, I folded my laundry and just let it go. And so at 39 weeks, I was like, I just have to do that because I really, I could be pregnant for two more weeks and I am just, I'm not going to know. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be pregnant forever and that's what I'm going to tell myself. And um, yeah, so that was... I had a final that morning for nursing school and I, then I was going to have six weeks off. So like really also I was upset about timing because I wanted to have the most time with my baby before winter term started in January and I relaxed and I was like, I'm just going to take this final and go home and take a nap. And I took the final, I went home and took a nap and the next day at 2 PM, my water broke. So I don't know what it is about like my, like the mind and the body are so connected. And I really felt that in my pregnancy, um, just like every time that I would just let it go, like I went into labor immediately and it was so weird because my, like, I'm not usually this in tune with my body and it, it just felt like usually when I'm pregnant I know exactly what's going on I know like what I need and it's it's very strange but also like this just this is just how it's designed you know so I felt very lucky I went my water broke but I wasn't contracting at all and so I called my midwife who is in Albany and I said my water broke and she said are you sure and I stood up and I mean like the waterfall and I was like oh yeah there's no way that it's anything else. Um, so I put on, a, it had like these adult depends and I probably went through 10 depends. Like it was, I had a lot of fluid coming out and I had heard like previous home birth stories. Like you put your kids to bed and that's when the contractions will start. So I was like kind of contracting, but it wasn't anything really noticeable and that was, I, my water broke at like two 30 and it was 8 PM and my midwife called and she said, I'll be there around nine. So if you're not contracting at nine, do you want to do pumping and castor oil or do you want to just wait? And I said, well, let's do it if I'm not contracting by nine. And so we put Ella to bed and I had my first contraction <laughs> and I was like, how is this real? Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like I gained so much like wisdom from other women. And I was 
yeah. So I put my daughter to bed and had a contraction. And I was in my room, my back room. My bedroom has a bathroom attached to it. So I was in the dark with my husband and I was just having contractions alone. And my friend who was also my doula had shown up and she was on my couch. So before I started contracting, we kind of cleaned up my house a little bit. (laughs) We just hung out and laughed and had fun. And then the contractions started and I went back to my bedroom in the dark on my birth ball with my husband and it was amazing. It was so great. They weren't painful. Like I was not in any, I wasn't in any pain. I could feel the pressure of the contractions and my midwife arrived and my birth photographer arrived and my mom arrived for my daughter. And, um, everyone was just sitting in my living room. Like I was completely alone. Like I didn't want to be bothered. My midwife came in and offered to check me and I was four centimeters at ten twenty, And, I was having consistent contractions, and at that point, they were about three minutes apart, and that was getting more intense, and so I got back in the shower, and my midwife would come in and out periodically to listen to the baby, and she had an assistant, too, who is a student assistant, and they had come from a different, like a, I live right on the coast, and they came from like two hours south on the coast, I think, so like we had a very, like, dedicated team come to us because we were really far like we live in reedsport which has a population of four thousand people so like we were rural oregon in the middle of nowhere in (laughs) mid-november and so it was like also raining outside and so anyways she would listen to the baby periodically and my husband and i were in the shower a lot and i what something i think about of this birth i was upright almost the entire time I was standing or I was sitting upright. I was, there was no way I was going to be able to lay down. And I feel like that helped a lot with not only like the pain, but the progression of the, of the labor. So we're in and out of the shower. Um, I'm on the birth ball and something I will never forget is like my contractions were coming so, so quickly at some point that I was like, okay, the water is cold now. I'm ready to get out of the shower. So my husband had been in the shower with me. He'd get out and he'd have to dry my legs. So I'm not cold in my house. And as he's, he hops out of the shower, I get out of the shower and he's wiping down my legs so fast before another contraction starts. And I'm just laughing. Like I am like, this is so funny. This is hilarious that we have to do this. And then another one will immediately start. And it was just like this really cherished time of just me and my husband with our entire team, like our safety net in the living room, but we're just alone. We're cocooned away from, from everyone. And I thought to myself too, like, this is how like birth is designed to be like with our safety around us, but it's just me and my husband. Like, that's what I wanted. Like I wanted to just be alone. Like my doula, I think she cleaned my house, but um, she did wet washcloths later in the the labor, but I mean, she was just there. And I really took away from that as a doula myself, because sometimes you just have to be there and you don't necessarily have to be hands-on. And I, that's also something I take into like my nursing life is like, I don't have to, how do I say this? Like, I don't have to um, intervene at every step. You know what I mean? Like sometimes birth does need help and people do need intervention. But like, I, I'm really conscious about that. It's what I'm a labor and delivery nurse. So I'm really sensitive to that space when I walk into it. Um, so yeah, it just it's made me a better person and a better nurse to like have this experience. And so going back to the, the birth, the labor, I, my husband and I are like laughing a lot and we're having so much fun, which sounds funny because I didn't hear a lot of people having fun in their labor, but I was like, you know, this is like actually a good time. Like I'm having a good time and I'm not in pain. So I was feeling the pressure of the contraction. I could feel like spread throughout the bottom of my pelvis and then it would go away and then it would spread, spread and then go away. And so in my mind to cope with the contractions, I was in, was viewing it as a wave. So I, I could watch it in my mind go up, peak, and then come down. And so I was doing great. And then I, at about, at 1 a.m., I told my midwife, I said, I'm ready to be checked again. 
And she said, okay. And at that time I was about six centimeters. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to go set up the tub in your living room. And I said, great. And, um, I got back in the shower after that. And then, um, she set up the tub and that took about an hour, I think, to get it warm and to get it ready. And so by that time I was ready, I think I was starting to transition and for me, transition wasn't any more intense or any more painful than what I'd been feeling, but it was closer together. So my contractions would go up and then down and then up and then down, up and then down. They did, they tripled. So I was having three and then I would have a break and then I'd have three and then I'd have a break. And then, um, so I was in the tub and I was trying to pee because I was like, I'm going to have this baby and I need to empty my bladder <laughs> so that she can come down and I couldn't pee. And my midwife, I didn't verbalize this, but my midwife was like, do you have to pee? And I was like, yes, I have to pee. Like, how did you know that? And she, she's like, well, why don't you try and get out so I can warm up the water for the baby? And I was like, that sounds horrible, but I'll do it because I have to pee. <laughs> and um, that was the worst part of the labor. Getting out of the tub, I had to walk all the way back to my bedroom to go pee and I had a, some contractions on the toilet. So I had already transitioned and I was like, I'm going to die. This is horrible. <laughs> and I was not, it was, does not feel good. And I labored on the toilet for probably 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, I'm getting in the tub, whether it's cold or not. <laughs> like I have to get back in. And, um, thankfully it was warm. So that was at, oh, probably 4 a.m. And I get back in the tub and immediately I look at my mom and I'm like, you need to get Ella up. And she said, okay. Cause I, had, I was not getting my daughter up cause I was worried. I didn't know how she would react. And we had watched a lot of birth videos. So she wasn't, um, she knew what was going to happen, but I was worried because she gets nervous around loud noises and I was roaring. Like I was not quiet. I was like really low guttural moaning. And so my mom got Ella up and she came out and originally she was going to get in the tub with us. So she had her swimsuit on, but she didn't want to get in the tub. And so that was fine. But after, I mean, after a couple of contractions, she like started putting wet washcloths on my forehead and like rubbing my back. And she's like, mommy, you're doing so good. Aww. And it was, it was really a cherished time. It was so sweet. And I wonder if she'll remember that, you know, mm -hmm. she's older. And that's also something I wanted. It's like I this really good maternal influence of like what it can look like, you know, mm -hmm. like I didn't want my daughter to hold fear around birth. So anyways, I was, um, I noticed the contractions like at the peak were feeling different and then they'd come down and I, and then that had a couple like that where the peak felt a lot more intense than it used to. And, and then as it came up, it felt like what I was feeling at the peak. And I was like, oh my God. And I had two combs in my hands and I was leaning over the edge of the tub. And as that contraction was going up and it felt like the peak of the last one, I peaked and it was my body ejected the baby. Like I was... I was grunting and I was had the combs over my eyes and I think I was grunting and screaming and I lost my vision and I like lost my hearing. It was wild. I was like this totally like, I don't know if psychedelic is the right word, but it was like this mad experience of like, I just completely like left my body for a minute and then it went down and I was like, I can't do this. And my midwife was like, you are doing this. Like you, there, there's no other option. And I was like, I want to go to the hospital. And she's like, we're not going to make it. And I like the baby is crowning at this point. And, um, I, I have these combs. I like my emotional support combs at this point. And I felt the ring of fire. It was so intense because my first, labor I had labored up until complete and then I got the I was numb for the pushing and so in my mind I'm like oh I this is no big deal but the ring of fire was 
the worst pain I've ever felt. <laughs> and it was like a rug burned down my labia. And then I felt it through the backs of my legs into the soles of my feet. And I remember thinking to myself, like there is something wrong because my feet feel like they're on fire. Mm-hmm. It was wild. It was so crazy. And the next contraction started and I like, I actively pushed with the next contraction. She's like, okay, push. And as it came up, I pushed at the peak and the baby came right out into the tub and I was leaning forward. So I thought they thought the baby would come like behind me. And so they were ready back there. But as I'm pushing, I lift stood up almost fully out of the tub and I caught my own baby (laughs) and I did not plan to do that. Um, and they were not like, they didn't think I was going to do that, but like my body just took over and it was wild. Like I pushed out the baby and she turned in the water and had her arms up, eyes open looking at me. And it was this pause. Like it was like a pause in time. I looked down and I was like, who is that? And then I was like, Oh, I know you. And I picked her as I'm reaching into the water. I'm like, Oh, it's you. And I pick her up and I unwrapped her cord and I brought her to my chest. And again, I guess my babies just don't cry at birth. She didn't cry. She opened her eyes and like looked around. And all I could say was my vagina hurts so bad. (laughs) My husband is like, you did it. You did it. You had her. And he's in the tub with me. And I was like, my vagina hurts so bad. <laughs> and um, and she's covered in vernix. And I was they put a towel over us. And then at, a, at our home birth, everything just slows down. Not, no one is in a hurry. So I'm holding her. And Ella came over and Ella's crying. She's like, it's a baby. It was so sweet. It was like this whole, like really wholesome moment of the four of us together. And like everyone was quiet. No one was yelling and it was just so sweet. And, um, yeah, I just, I like out of the whole home birth experience that that was my favorite part was like, I was like on my husband's shoulder with the baby and she was like looking at Ella and then Ella was like, it's a baby. And like holding us, it was, it was beautiful. And we had a photographer who got all these photos, which was sweet. Um, so I got out of the tub to deliver the placenta. And when I was in labor, I was not in labor land. I wanted to be there so badly, but I couldn't, my mind was not gone until like I, she was crowning when, um, so I was very present. I was very with it, the whole labor and birth. And I had the baby on my chest and she latched before the placenta came out. And um, the midwife was like, okay, let's see where your placenta is. And I'm like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to deliver the placenta. And she's like, well, there's no bones in it. So, and it was really interesting because I think the way my placenta came out was like sideways. I know it's like circular, but I think there's an elongated part and the pressure of the placenta coming out I was like is that another baby it was so intense and there was no pain associated with it but the pressure was very intense and I was caught off guard with that and um my total blood loss was like 150 mils which is not that much and um yeah I was breastfeeding on the couch and then we got into the bed and at this point, it was like six. So she was born at 4.42 in the morning. And it was like maybe 6.30. And my mom had been awake all night. She's like, are they going to weigh the baby? <laughs> and I was like, I, I was need like, to know. <laughs> yeah, I know. She, she was like, I really want to know what the baby weighs, but I'm so tired. And so um, like two hours later, we got into my bed. And uh, they weighed the baby and did all the measurements. And she was seven pounds, 12 ounces. And my first daughter was seven pounds even. And so she was almost a pound bigger and came out in one push, which I felt very proud about. I like my body probably pushed a couple times, but I actively pushed one time mm-hmm. when she was grounding to get her out. And so I, I just felt like a total rock star. I was mm-hmm. like, I did that. Like, my baby is here. She's healthy and she's safe. And 
I could, that could not have gone better. Mm. And um, it was awesome. They tucked us in for a nap. And after we woke, we woke up at 11 and then we announced to the world that our baby had been born. And it was so awesome because I think we're the only people, a lot of our family knows that have ever delivered at home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our family is in healthcare. And uh, <laughs> I mean, we're in healthcare. And so I think sometimes there's like, like this, like, okay, let's see how this goes for Brianna and Billy because uh, we don't, like, they just didn't know. They didn't have any experience with it. And so it was awesome. It was so cool. And I don't know if I'll ever deliver in hospital again. And that I, like, as someone who works in a hospital, I, I'm like, I don't know if I could do this again because I would, it was so undisturbed and so uninterrupted that it was just awesome. It was so, it was everything I wanted it to be and everything I manifested and everything like my intuition was telling me it would be, it was. Mm. So it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, And my daughter, we had seen some ultrasounds um, where she's sucking on her hands the whole time. Like we tried to get this cute 3D picture of her face. No, there's no way because she was sucking on her fingers. So she latched right after birth and in the first 24 hours of her life, she was nursing for probably 18 of them. Like she was latched and sucking. My nipples are so bad. And um, my milk came in at 12 hours after birth. <laughs> She's like, bring it and, on, mom. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was wild. And uh, not that it had taken a long time the first time, but she was latched a long time and my milk at 6 p.m the next that so she was born at 4 42 at like 5 p.m 6 p.m that day I was like my boobs hurt so bad and I was like what is going on and my milk has come in <laughs> and I was wow. leaking milk and it was just funny I was like dude this child is her personality is just shiny and she's still that way she's very much a booby baby won't take a bottle. So so that's presented its own challenges. Well, Brianna, I'm curious to know what was your postpartum like this time? Did you end up experiencing any of the symptoms that you had with your first? Yes, actually. Mm -hmm. So I, this time my midwife like encapsulated my placenta for me. And so I was really hoping that that would level out some hormones issues that I would have. So I was taking those uh, like twice a day. And then um, at 14, so it was 14 days postpartum again, the right side of my face went numb and we went to the emergency room because I was like, I just have to know I'm not having a stroke. And I was not. And then I got a massive migraine and um, I was like, okay, here we go again. Like this is just happening again. And um, it only happened one time. And that was really nice. Uh, I, but I continued, I think I upped the amount of placenta I was taking too at the time. And so I would take like an extra pill and, um, yeah, I really don't, I don't know why it didn't happen as much other than the only thing I did different was the placenta. So I would have, I assume that that is what it was. Um, honestly, I think if I were to have another child, I would maybe consider like getting estrogen replacement to not go through that again because I knew what was happening this time. And I still felt like I was going to die. Like I came off this high of this incredible birth and it came crashing down when my face went numb again and I lost my vision again. And it's just like, you never like just feeling like you're going to die, that impending doom is what would hold me back. I think from having another child, because that is so hard. Again, I was like, who is going to feed this baby if I die right now? Like who is going to take care of this child? Because she needs me. And um, I don't know what I would do. Like, I don't know what my husband would do. And so thankfully it only happened once and I I think I was able to cope a little bit better because I'd been to therapy the first time and so my postpartum anxiety has been incredibly well managed this time Mm -hmm. I also got medication I was on (laughs) medication immediately after I had the baby I started uh so loft I think and um it was great I mean honestly the risks 
were way heavier than, I mean, the risk of not taking the medication for me was way higher than, um, the, like the benefit of not taking it. And so I was like, I have to do it. I have to, I can't, I can't feel like my husband is going to steal my child from me again. Like I, so with the combination of the placenta, the medication, and just having, um, I feel like a better just grounding of like what it entails to have a newborn and be in postpartum. Like I'm thriving. (laughs) I'm doing Mm. so good. And I just started my job like a month ago. So I've been able to be home with the baby for like eight solid months, I think, which has helped a lot. Wow. That is, Mm -hmm. that is super, super wonderful. Oh man, Brianna, yeah. what an incredible experience that you've had. And and you said that your goal at this point is to become a nurse midwife. Yeah. Yes. I, I'll apply um, in the next couple of years to grad school. Mm-hmm. I, I work at a high risk facility right now. Actually, I commute there um, out of the area. And so I am just getting my footing into like what, um, like how to manage a labor, even though that kind of sounds funny, but (laughs) like, how do you manage a labor? But like, I just like what I'm doing. And I didn't want to go into midwifery school, not knowing how to check a cervix. And I just felt like I was going to get really good skills and confidence because I actually would like to just be a home birth midwife. Mm. I'd like to come back to the Oregon coast. There's nobody here. These Mm -hmm. midwife made it obviously to my birth. Um, but that was a huge source of anxiety for me. And I, I would, and you think of Oregon as like this birth hub, right? Like all like these midwives everywhere. And it's really like forward in the birth world. And like they, there's providers that do breech birth and all this stuff. But that is true for the middle of Oregon, like down the interstate. I was a doula. I was largely a for free doula on the coast. I was one of two doulas here and I was one of the only ones actively taking clients. And so like, there's this need in my area for like for birth providers, for people who don't want to be in the hospital, for people who need support. There's no postpartum doulas in my area. That's people don't even know what that is in on the coast. And so I just have this like drive to come back to the Oregon coast and make change Mm. and it's hard (laughs) it's hard to like be an um sometimes like a a, that for change because the providers in my in my area at that hospital have been here for so long um so I don't think there's a lot of turnaround in the birth workers there and anyways I'm kind of going off on a tangent but um (laughs) yeah but I would like to be a midwife and just to yeah. And I feel like all my experiences like combined would make me a really well-rounded midwife, you know? That's incredible. So, yeah. Uh, well, Brianna, yeah. I wish you the best in that journey. And I thank you so much. This was, I mean, an incredible journey that you've had and what a beautiful home birth experience. So thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great. Goodness, what a story. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I have a few takeaways I'd love to share. Number one, Brianna experienced the intensity of labor with her first birth as her epidural migrated and failed. Because she had expected to have the epidural to cope, she struggled through her active labor and transition. However, what I find amazing is that when she gave birth at home, pain was a non-issue. Simply having coping skills available to her and knowing how to let her body do the work allowed her to experience a fun, joyful birthing experience. And number two, I also love the way that Brianna invited her daughter, Ella, into her birth experience with her second baby. Ella was able to come in and see her mother give birth to her new baby sister. Brianna mentioned that she hopes her daughter will remember this experience, and I agree. And I want to encourage those of you who have young children at your births to remember to tell them the story. Turn it into family lore. My daughter tells me little details about the time that she watched me give birth to her baby sister. Remember when I tried to get in the pool, she'll say. Now, whether or not she actually fully remembers the event itself or the retelling and retelling of it, does it really matter? In her mind, it is solidified as a beautiful, 
joyous, strong experience. We have the ability to use storytelling to help our children understand the beauty of birth, whether they fully remember it or not. Honestly, whether they're even present or not. Okay, my friends, that's all that I have for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast. 